This podcast is not here for those people that are trying to stay out of last place. Because those consequences don't exist for the people that are listening to this podcast. These are the people that always end up in the playoffs but can't seem to get over that hump. Or the ones who just want to dominate year after year just to show everybody else they're the champions. Guys, this is a fantasy football intervention. And we're about to intervene with your fantasy football life. What's going on, guys? Welcome on into Fantasy Intervention. Thanks for joining the circle today. Just want to give you guys a little bit of heads up about this episode. It was taken prior to the combine, so we did not have all the information that we have today. There are a couple small things, such as LaVisca Chenault's speed that we expected to be a lot faster, along with some misinformation about KJ Hill and his speed as well. So it was just a couple small dialed-in things we found out about the combine. Now, if you guys turn into, tune into this next episode, you will get post-combine statistics, analysis. So make sure you guys tune into the following one. But yet, there is still some valuable, valuable information that we have, such as players that can get pushed out of their current positions here in the NFL, especially, especially for Dynasty players. You are wanting to listen to this episode. I'm just telling you right now, you want to listen to it. So here we go. Let's go ahead and get this one started. We got Devin in the house tonight, so... Let's do it. Every year. Every year we get this influx of talent. Right? Every single year there's some wide receiver that's coming out. You know, two or three of them. There's two or three strong running backs coming out. But never. Never have we seen this much talent from the running back position. From the wide receiver position. Never have we seen this much talent come out of a draft. The scary thing is, is I think this is just the start of it. I think this is a brand new wave that's going to start taking the NFL by storm when it comes to level of talent at the skill position and the depth of the talent at the skill position. Welcome on into Fantasy Intervention, guys. I got Devin in the house with me again. What's going on, Devin? Not too much, my man. Here to talk some stuff. Oh, yeah. We got stuff to talk about. What's going on? Now, I'm excited for another episode, guys. We obviously have the Combine taking over right now. Combine, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy the Combine. We've got a few new drills this year, getting rid of some of the old ones. And, of course, they try and incorporate some of these new drills into today's NFL. You know, they want to see some of these running back catches, catching balls out of the backfield. They want to see them catching even balls in the red zone as well, in the end zone, all sorts of different fun things. They've got Deuce Staley. And his drill that he runs out of Philadelphia to develop running backs, which has been amazing, by the way. I mean, the resurgence of Jordan Howard at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. the way that he's developed with Miles Sanders, that's been awesome. So I'm really, really excited to see some of these new drills and how they are incorporated into this draft. But there are certain drills that I look out for, certain drills that really catch my eye that I really like to watch, you know, on TV or wherever the case is. I want to see how these players react. And one of them is the running back catching balls out of the backfield. That's a huge one for me. I want to see if they are natural with it, if they have a hitch. You know, another one for me is catching that, that outside shoulder pass for the main primary wide receiver. That's a huge drill that I like to see. See if they're natural with their hips and natural with adjustment to the ball. I'm sure like you've just talked about, or like you talk about, the 40-yard dash. And that's one of the biggest things you look at, right? 
Yeah, it's, a, it's one of those events that everyone loves to watch. Love to see Rich Eisen out there try to tear his ACL every year. It's fun. <laughs> you know, and then if someone's going to put up the splashy number. You want to know who that fastest wide receiver is going to be on the team. If they can you know, beat or, the fastest who's, man on earth. Who's yeah. going to be the fastest one? Is Can someone run faster than Bo Jackson did all those years ago or – you know, be the modern renaissance man of a John Ross or Chris Johnson even. Dude, John Ross crushed you, right? He if crushed only he, he wore those it. cleats, he would have an if island right now. he did, exactly. You remember that? You know, yeah, I remember. <laughs> was, was, it, was it Adidas that did that? Was it the uh, Adidas? I can't remember who it was. It might have been Puma. Oh, I, it might have been. Yeah, I can't remember. I but it was one back, of those sneaker But I remember it was like, we'll give you an island if you can do this. Yeah, that's definitely one of the more fun drills. And then, of course, the cone drill with the fluidity. But the biggest thing with the combine especially this year's combine, is it could end up vaulting a ton of these players up in his first three rounds of this draft. I mean, even Mel Kuyper went out and made a little bit of a bold prediction saying that 25 wide receivers would go in the first three rounds. Wow. That's like a wide receiver, what, every four picks? That's a lot. I mean, there's 32 teams. Yeah. That's a lot of picks. That's 96, right, in the third, in the yeah. third rounds there? Yep. 25. That's almost. Yeah, it's, it's one out of every four play. Yeah. It's almost Jesus. 25%. That's insane. Let's not forget about the running backs. Yeah. We probably have a good eight to 10 running backs that are going to go in the first two rounds, yeah. I would say. Majority some, of them in the second, but. Yeah. <laughs> some of these players are going to end up having to, you know, disappear essentially. Some of these players that might have futures that we've been looking at, that we've been stashing yeah. on our dynasty teams for three or four years. And you have to remember, you cannot get nostalgic with some of these players. You're going to have to let some go because. These players that are coming in this year's draft are so much more talented than the ones we've seen over the past, what, since 2014? Yeah. Was that the Odell Beckham year? And this draft has so much more depth than that year does. And so many many different things. Offensive line's not bad. Defensive line's really good this year. But the offensive skill players are just, like, far and away better. I mean, it's, it's not just a bunch of... You know, spread offenses now in college. A lot of them are trying to transition more to that pro game. So a lot of people are coming in more pro ready. Running backs are catching the ball more. You know, it's like some players are still just mainly running, just running running backs. But when Dalvin Cook came in, he's catching the ball a lot in college. Shows in the NFL. Exactly. So that's where you want those guys that are super versatile, that can take the ball, catch it. Doesn't matter how, as long as you can get it in their hands and they don't drop it. Those guys are super valuable. Yeah, and then the other thing is, too, although we don't have a ton of, as many, I should say, we still do have a ton, but not as many running backs going into the you know first three rounds as we do wide receivers, we still got some free agents out there in the running back class that are extremely talented. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have guys like, well, I guess not extremely talented, but Peyton <laughs> Barber, you know, who's right. a proven running back. People that have that been starters in this league at some yeah. point. Yeah, Howard looked really good up until oh, his yeah. injury last year. Really I was surprised Howard, Howard ever left the Bears. I thought he was a better running back by far. Than Dave Montgomery? Well, I mean, obviously David Montgomery was there, but... With I that, think he's a better running back than David Montgomery. I, I think he's better than everybody on the Bears Yeah. at that point. So I don't know why you part ways with him and you keep Tariq. And then you spend high draft capital on Montgomery just and, to make Because that was their first pick that year. Yeah. And they only had a handful of picks or whatever. So I mean, you have Strange. also along with that, we got Matt Breida, who speeds are extremely talented. I mean, yep. I mean he, just got opinion, buried. he got buried on the, on the best running back rotation. And it's only because he league. was hurt. He wasn't even injured. He was just hurt. Yeah. So they wanted to try and rest him. Like he was still talented enough. He started out as the lead running back for that team in yeah. 2019. We got Ty Montgomery, who's only 27. I can't believe he's only 27. That's crazy. That is insane. Like, I thought he was so much older. Yeah, the wide receiver running back. Yeah. And then we also have DeAndre Washington, who obviously made a splash, especially when Josh Jacobs was injured. Yeah. 
he's going to be a free agent. I don't know. It's just like a bunch of talented guys right there that could end up coming in and taking over for certain roles, which we're going to talk about here in a second. Yeah, like if I got this free agency class in, in Madden, I'd freak out. Yeah, I would hope awesome. I had all the cap space in the world to sign all these people. It's then you good. have like the older guys too, the guys mm-hmm. that can still play, and they can still be the first or second down back, but they're getting a little bit older. Guys like Carlos Hyde, who was extremely productive for the yeah. Texans. Lamar Miller, who was injured obviously, but... He's young as well to an extent. I mean, yeah. 29. Not young, young, but he can still play. Right, right. He's still spry. Yeah. LaShawn McCoy, he's a little bit older, but could still probably start. I mean, he had productive games with the Kansas City Chiefs. Wouldn't it have been nice if they had him active for the Super Bowl? That would have been would have been cool to see him get their ring. Yeah, yeah. it would have been. It would have been. I'm not going to lie. Especially at least run one in. I know he was not doing great at the time, but, you know. Either way. Wishful thinking. Yeah. Especially all those years, you know, with the Eagles and yeah. the Bills. And just, yeah, just get him something. He, he needs a ring. He needs a real ring. Like, he needed to earn that one. He but. did. <laughs> and then guys like Blau Powell, who, Ooh. you know, are still younger, you know, but they could still play a role. Right. So where are some of these other players going to go? Are they going to – Carlos Hyde, is he just not going to sign with the team? Is he not going to be relevant? LaShawn McCoy, is he not going to be relevant? You know, Peyton Barber, like we just talked about. Yeah. I feel like these guys still are going to have a spot, which means somebody is going to have to lose. Somebody is going to have to get flipped out of the league. Mm-hmm. So I just have a few guys that I want to know your thoughts on. Guys that I feel like are going to end up getting replaced, whether it's through the draft or potentially just through free agency. <laughs> free agency. Yeah, it just makes me cringe. One of those guys that could end up replacing through a trade, by the way, could be David Johnson, but that's unlikely. We have to see what happens with that salary cap space, but that's another guy we got to keep an eye on. Yep. Guys like Justin Jackson. Guys that, I mean, he has the same exact, what, height and weight are very similar, yeah, at least, he, to Austin Eckler. He's almost a copy of Austin Eckler. And yet he's less talented, and everybody's talking about how he's yeah. going to be the first and second down back, and Austin, that's not going to be the case. Right. Listen, Anthony Lynn actually came out today. And he talked about how he does not want Austin Eckler to be the bell cow back because he's too talented to be a bell cow back. When you're a bell cow back, you remain in the backfield and you run the ball up the middle. Meanwhile, he doesn't want Austin Eckler to be the guy. He wants to use Austin Eckler in the yeah. slot. He wants to put him into a, almost like an a H-back position to yeah. where you might oh, think yeah. that he's running, but it's play-action fake Super and he's talented. catching on the backfield. I mean, he, he could definitely play a role just like Kamara does. He's like, I do not want Austin Eckler to be a bell cow back. He is not a bell cow back. He is too talented to be a bell cow back, which yeah. is interesting for me to hear because typically bell cow back is a good thing. But when you yeah. talk about a guy that's going to play, what, 75% of the snaps, and he has Taysom Hill-esque talent when it comes to being able to have all the gadget plays. I mean, Taysom Hill played, what, maybe 20% of the snaps, if that? Right. Probably closer to 10%. What if? What if Austin Eckler was exactly who he was last year with Melvin Gordon there, but Melvin Gordon's not there? Yeah. They're not going to use Justin Jackson that way. No. Yeah, I could easily see that. I was like, that's where you could definitely take a later round running back in the draft to kind of find the opposite of... And a uh, Eckler, Austin Eckler guy. Because, I mean, if Austin Eckler is going to be your receiver, the guy that you use in special roles, and you're looking for a bell cut back, you can easily find one of those. Why not a Zach Moss in the draft? No, exactly. Yeah. Did you just, did you steal that? Did no, you see that? I can't even see no it over there. No fucking way. I looked through these things. There's so much stuff. No, like, he's a, he'd be a perfect I, running back. I was there. literally about to bring that up. I swear, oh, to you, look, it's right here. It's Zach Moss, 
Good job. See, see, and if he, and if, I wish we could just we'll share a picture on our Facebook page or something. His hand, he's basically a doctor with handwriting. Oh yeah, you couldn't be able to read it. Yeah, anyway, I couldn't so. read that from a distance, even though my eyes are really good. But that's insane. Yeah. No, that's exactly the player that I had listed right here. You know, you spend a third or fourth round pick on Zach Moss. It's yeah. not a huge investment, but it could be a perfect fit. Yeah, you I could mean, also bring in a Carlos Hyde, which we talked about. Right. That would be another great fit for that, yeah. or even a Lashawn McCoy. You know, which yeah. I don't love that, right? Because you don't want you don't want to just put like a, an old band aid on it. You want to get in, bring in a younger guy to your system that can play the opposite of Austin Eckler. So if you're using Austin Eckler in every other way and you need that bell cow back, why not bring in Royce Freeman's little brother? <laughs> well, the reason why I brought up Lashawn McCoy, the reason why I brought up Lashawn McCoy, is because who's that coach of the uh, Los Angeles Chargers? Anthony Lynn. Where did Anthony Lynn come from? He came from the Chiefs, right? He came from Buffalo. Oh, he, that's right. He did come from he Buffalo. He was the running backs coach for Buffalo. Yeah. So he coached LaShawn McCoy firsthand when they acquired LaShawn McCoy. Right, so they have the history together. They have the history together. Yeah. So LaShawn McCoy could actually be an excellent fit right there. I just I could see it working out, especially with Anthony Lynn being you know that running back-esque type coach. Yeah. However, I, like I said, I do like Zach Moss. That's my first one, but yeah. LaShawn McCoy is number two for well, me. Well, yeah, if you're looking or towards if, like, if maybe you don't find the right running back in the draft, maybe you want to go with one of the older stop gaps in the free agency. Go with somebody you know, but I would worry a little bit about the recent injury history. Yep. With McCoy. That's a big that that'd be the big red flag for me. So another guy that we're looking at, guy that could end up having value right now, somebody you might trade for because his counterpart, the guy that was the lead running back for that team, is actually gonna be a free agent. We just mentioned his name right before LaShawn McCoy. That was Carlos Hyde. Carlos Hyde, yeah. So, Duke Johnson, uh-huh. he could be a trade candidate, right? Definitely. I don't know. Not, not a big one, but... Well, not a trade candidate in the terms of real NFL, but in dynasty leagues, right? You might want to try and acquire him. But I would halt. I would put that on pause. I would not try and trade for Duke Johnson. Because I feel like they don't believe in Duke Johnson. Ooh. Why would you bring on a Carlos Hyde if you thought that Duke Johnson could be your primary guy? You traded a third-round pick for him, and they barely used him. So, what if the Texans go out because they don't have a lot of salary cap space, right? Mm. They're going to be strapped for cash. They have over 15 defenders. They're going to be free agents, I believe, from the research I was doing. I think it's 12 or 15 defenders. They're going to be free agents, starters and backups. They have nobody on defense right now. They're going to have to re-sign all those guys. They're going to end up being strapped for cash with guys like Larry McTonsell and other guys like that. They're going to end up having to re-sign. So, they're going to have to invest in rookie picks for even with the lack of rookie picks they have right now do they go out and do they acquire second string defenders with these third round picks or do they end up going after a guy who could end up being a starting running back i don't know i, I feel like they might have be a little deterred because the last time they did that it was deontay foreman out of texas what round was deontay foreman he was a later round wasn't he like fourth fifth round i think he was a fourth round guy okay so I mean, I can understand that, but he also tore his Achilles. Like, when you tear your Achilles, that's got to be brutal. Oh, yeah. It's not, not, not an easy injury to come back from. Um, so that's obviously one of those things. But I think that was one of the last picks that they took of running back in, like, that mid-round area. Gotcha. So, I mean, that's where you might just go with the, hey, we tried this one time. Let's just go find a good free agent that we trust. So Yeah, no, that makes sense. That definitely makes sense. I mean, even bringing back Car- Carlos Hyde makes a ton yeah. of sense to me. I think, yeah, I think he looked great. So I think that if they could just find maybe a free agent guy that they trust to pair with him, you know, they'd be a great little tandem. So 
Absolutely. I love Carlos Hyde in that system there. He's great. Next guy for me uh, had a little bit of trouble with an offensive line over the past couple years, so that might have a little something to do with it. But I could actually see this team going into a full-on rebuild, which is why I don't know if they would invest into a running back position because a running back is typically one of the last positions you take in a rebuild. I don't know. I just don't see them investing there, but they could. Instead, I see more of a veteran position coming in. But either way, it's a guy where they had a starting running back. Let me see if you can get this team right. They had a starting running back. They're probably going to cut him. They had a backup running back they invested in the draft with. And unfortunately, he didn't work out, so they left town. He left town back, what, yeah, a year ago? Mm-hmm. Then they got another running back they invest in the draft. He's not really working out. He didn't really fill in too well. Right. Are you getting who I'm putting down yet? I'm pretty sure I got this. Go ahead. Because they're on the third one they draft. They already drafted their third running back now, but he hasn't really panned out either. He's been okay. Oh, no, I lost it. But they've been failing epically when it comes to running backs they're bringing in. Come on, man. The Atlanta Falcons. The oh. Falcons, right? They got this star running back with Devontae who's, Freeman. Who's the last one they drafted? Uh, Quadre Wilson. Has he seen much playing time? Not really. Not oh, okay. really. But, I mean, either way, he's... He's, he's, he's not a, cracking the lineup. He's not. Oh, okay. He has seen opportunity because Ido Smith was hurt for part of the year. And then, of course, Devontae Freeman can't stay healthy. So, th- he has seen leaning, opportunity. I thought you were leaning Broncos for a minute there. Oh, no, no, not Broncos. <laughs> I think the Broncos are still safe with what they have. But it's kind of funny with the Broncos. I actually think that they should trade both their running backs to a team that likes to use dual running backs and try and acquire, like, a bell cow back. But uh, that would never happen. Yeah. It would never happen. It's just wishful thinking. But, yeah, so this team, I don't know if they're going to invest. If they do invest in a running back, it would be extremely early. And that's because they believe they have a chance. But they have $5 million in cap space. That's it. Yeah, they have to lot. re-sign some superstars. They can cut Devontae Freeman. Uh, they're going to end up saving $3 million this year. But then over the next years, they're going to end up saving, I believe, a total of $18 million on top of that. But they'll see uh, $6 million in dead cap space this year. So... Unfortunately, it's not going to create a lot of room for opportunity when it comes to the free agent backs, but if they end up investing in somebody in the first, second round, like, I don't know, Swift, DeAndre yeah, Swift? DeAndre Swift. That would be a perfect fit, in my opinion. Yeah, Cam Akers. Cam Akers would be a good fit. I don't know about Taylor. Jamar Taylor, they, they like their pass-catching running backs to an extent, so I don't know Jonathan if they go that Taylor. route. Oh, I'm sorry. I said yeah. Jamar. Uh, Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. I just don't – I think that they have to go with the guy that can catch passes, not on, like, you know, a high-end basis, but somebody like – DeAndre Swift. Yeah, someone's got, you know, just a little bit more fluid skill set there. Exactly. You know, were you looking for that Sony Michelle type? But Swift, I think, is faster than Sonny Michelle. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. So. And I think he has a better build and he has better knees. Yeah. <laughs> better so. knees than Chubb. And he's a little bit faster, shiftier than your Michelle. So a lot of those Georgia running backs that came out before Swift, I think Swift could be one of the better ones since Gurley. So. And Chubb's, Chubb's still pretty good. You know, you just worry about injuries going forward. You know, Sonny Michelle was a little bit injury prone as well. So hopefully Swift can kind of break that injury. Yeah. So <laughs> unfortunately there. for all you Edo Smith truthers that have been holding on to Edo Smith for, what, four yeah. years now or so, I don't think it's going to happen for you because I think that they have to add running back depth to it no matter what they end up doing. Yeah. And I could see it coming earlier rather than later. However, it's not yeah. going to come in the free agency. It has to come in the draft. Yep. Now... This next guy, Dolphins guy, well, Dolphins guys, <laughs> right? We got Patrick Laird, yep, and we have Kalen Balash. And Patrick Laird put up some significant fantasy points because of his cat, uh, pass catching prowess. However, I think once again, very similar to the Falcons, they just need to invest a higher pick on the running back position. And I right. brought up somebody like, I don't know, DeAndre Swift, but I actually like Jonathan Taylor going there more than yeah. I like. 
DeAndre Swift because you can pick up Jonathan Taylor in what the second? Maybe oh, yeah. he sinks to the third. Yeah. So you think like how many picks do the Dolphins have in that first two rounds? Like four or five? Uh, six, three in the first, and then I think it's six total in the top seventy. Yeah. So they should they should be a lock to land either like J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor. I think would two guys like Swift is another person that they could use their third pick on. But you know, like I said, I don't want to mock. DeAndre Swift to every team because he could probably play for every team in the NFL at this point. Absolutely, and he's going to be he's going to be earlier than a third yeah. round pick. He's going to have to go high second yeah, round. So if, I think if all not those guys. Round. I think all those guys are potential to land at one of the bottom teams. You know, Kansas City is a big team that I think could take a running back right there. So that could be a J.K. Dobbins spot. That could be a DeAndre Swift if he's not already drafted. I think Jonathan Taylor's a lock to go early second round. Yeah, and they're going to add some offensive line help. I believe they could end up with Andrew Thomas. Mm-hmm. Another inside lineman when it comes to potential landing spots in the second or third round. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just starting to rebuild that line. So, J.K. Dobbins, for me, isn't as much of a, a great fit as Jonathan Taylor is because I oh, think yeah. that J.K. Dobbins, if he's going to run between the tackles at any point, he has to have some sort of small hole when Jonathan Taylor is more of a power back who can break through that line and get to the second yeah. line of defense a little bit easier than J.K. Dobbins could. Yeah, cause, I mean, Dobbins is would be like that if if Taylor was already gone, he'd be a good second option. But Taylor's basically, he was created for the Miami Dolphins at He this was. Point, and so. then for me, like I said, we have both Kalen Balazs there to an extent. Right. We think he's there. <laughs> we think he's there. And then Patrick Laird. I think that Patrick Laird actually still remains some sort of relevant, but not at a high-end level that he was before. Right. And then Kalen Balazs, you can go and cut off for your team. Like, there's it's always, no reason it's always good to have depth, and if you can make yourself useful, even as just a role player of any kind. You know, you, you're not going to be Kamara, where Kamara's on the field most of the time. But if you can fill that role where you're in a slot role every now and then. Because, I mean, if they're using Gasicki in a big role, in, in or like a big slot, then you're going to have like that smaller slot yeah, guy. Yeah, could be available. You know, you can use Laird in different ways. You know, yeah, so. so Laird is still a hold for me in Dynasty. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hold holding Laird. Over, I would take him over Bellage. I think, think Bellage is going to end up more. in the XFL, to be honest <laughs> with you. Like, to be truthful. That's true. That's, that's very true if he doesn't find a good spot here. I mean, NFL. he was absolutely brutal. This guy was so bad. Yeah. Like, oh, man. So if you guys haven't heard throughout this podcast, Devin's kids are here. <laughs> and we've had to stop multiple times throughout it because they just want to play with my dog and talk, and it's just creating a whole bunch of noise. So we've had to stop recording. Now, they've been downstairs now for a good amount of time without any kind of supervision, and I can only imagine that my house looks worse than Kalen Balage, but I don't think that's possible. Kalen Balage's <laughs> NFL career looks worse than probably my downstairs does right now. No, that's probably good. They're just watching TV. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I go downstairs in a whole different menu, but they found out how to get to YouTube. Yeah. God. They're smart kids. That's so. dangerous. <laughs> all right, so my last running back that I want to bring up. All right, we're going to start stop harping on running backs. We're going to start harping on wide receivers coming up here in a second. But Ty Johnson, who didn't prove anything. Mm. I mean, Bo Scarborough came on to the Lions, ended up taking over the starting role because they just didn't believe in Ty Johnson. And Ty Johnson was somebody that I was not tremendously high on, but I was, you know, I was kind of high on him throughout the preseason process, thinking that he was going to be the third down back. Yeah. And that you know, carry on Johnson was going to be that first second down back that never came to fruition. So the lions go in and reinvest again, or do they pick up somebody like, I don't know, Amir Adula? <laughs> bring him back again. Uh, I mean, I think that more of a uh, pass catching running back could definitely fit in here. Maybe even like a Ty Montgomery to an extent who could well, be insurance. I, I like JD McKissick on that team. I, I thought that he provided a lot of spark 
and some of those early games where we thought like, hey, the Lions could make some noise, like when they almost beat the Super Bowl champs, the Chiefs, like week three or four, and we were at the bar and we're like, they could actually do it. We thought we thought they were going to do it. But what if there's like another player, right, that can actually go out there that they can draft? Yeah, that could actually like fit Eno that Benjamin. role better than those guys, but would they invest that capital is my question. I mean, I don't think they would. They don't usually make a lot of smart decisions. Sorry, Dad. It's just not the Lions. It's not their bag, baby. They don't like to make smart decisions. I would like to see them pair Eno Benjamin up with a on Johnson, but if on Johnson... That's what I was going with. <laughs> you and I, we, we mind meld a bit. We, we think a lot alike, and I swear to God, at no point did we talk about who he was going to pair with anybody I'm just saying what I feel as well. When you look at someone like Carrion Johnson, his injury history, if he doesn't have to carry the ball as much and you pair him with somebody else that can come in and do a lot of really good things that he's done since college, I would love to see that pairing. Yeah, no, me too. I think it'd be a great, great match. And I think that Carrion Johnson has shown that he cannot handle that, you know, bell cow or workhorse back, whatever one you want to call it. Mm-hmm. He's going to need some breaks here and there. Yeah. So I think that Eno Benjamin, which we're going to talk about here in a second, I love that fit. I love yeah. that fit. Um, now, when it comes to the wide receiver position, there are certain wide receivers, oh, man, they're frustrating. They're so frustrating. Like, what's one of the most talented wide receivers that has insane games? Insane games. I'm not going to let you cheat. I'm picking up my, my sheet. He has insane games for, you know, here and there, but he can never stay healthy. Adam Thielen last year. Oh, God, stop. <laughs> no, uh, I love he, he still ended up getting hurt this past year, though. He's got a young quarterback, and he's in the AFC South. AFC South always gets hurt. Come on, man. You should know this. Oh, Will Fuller. Will Fuller, baby. Yeah. Will Fuller and Kiki Kuti both yeah. have issues staying healthy. And I think that DeAndre Carter's also a free agent. I don't know if he goes anywhere, really. Might yeah. resign for a veteran minimum because he gets utilized there because both Will Fuller and those, Kiki Kuti are both are hurt. hurt. But one of these speedsters that could last the fourth or fifth round, listen, John Watson, he needs weapons. He has DeAndre oh, yeah. Hopkins, and that's it on a regular basis. Sure, you can say Jordan Aikens. Sure, sure you can say Fells. Sure, you could say, I don't know, Duke yeah. Johnson or Carl. No, they, they, no. They have other guys, but you need reliable, healthy receivers. And I know you can't predict health and injuries and things like that. But typically, when you have a poor injury history in college, it's going to carry over. So I was never big on Will Fuller from that aspect coming out of and that he's draft. He's so talented, he's man. He's super talented. I mean, he caught the ball well in Notre Dame. He was super fast, but he's also a little bit smaller. So you worry about that. Like, can he. And he sustained, you know, that many games. He's like the Grant the Hill of the NFL where, right. I mean, he's not going to be that great. Don't <laughs> no, get me wrong. Right. But, I mean, he has these insane games. He just constantly gets hurt. And he could end up lasting the league for the next yeah. 15 years just being <laughs> this deep threat guy. Yeah, Maybe but, not 15, but 10 with years. The, but with this depth in this class, some of those fast guys are going to fall. So if you can pair KJ up a speed Hill, guy. Devin Duvernay. Yeah. Dude, both those guys. You know, Wait, did I say Duvernay? Yeah, Devin Duvernay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, so if you if you pair up some of those faster guys that are definitely going to fall to the mid rounds, pair them up with the god. <laughs> I mean, at this point you got to call him a god. DeAndre Hopkins catches everything. He makes every quarterback from Brandon Whedon to Deshaun Watson look like an all star. And Brandon Whedon was like fifty when they drafted <laughs> when we got drafted into the <laughs> league. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely a landing spot for multiple teams. Kiki Kuti is obviously going to be the biggest yeah. one hurt out of this, but also Will Fuller has his has his extension coming up. Yeah, his contract's going to run out before Kiki Kuti's does, so Kiki Kuti could end up sticking on the team, and they might not want to play Will Fuller. 
Yeah. If they don't pay him, like, what, does he end up sticking with the team? Does he go somewhere else? That's going to be an interesting fit for me. Interesting, something, something interesting to follow for sure. Absolutely. Somebody next year, like the Eagles, maybe lands with if they pick yeah. up T. Higgins. They want to stretch the field. Sean Jackson ends up leaving. Yeah. Ooh, Will Fuller and Philly. That, that they could, love their injury-prone wide receivers. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, they, they, they're looking Jackson, for speed. They're looking for the guys Jackson. that can hopefully break, you know, out of that injury cloud that they're in. But you know. All right, another wide receiver. We did talk about him prior to the podcast. You might get this pretty quick. He was a top-end first-round pick. Supposed to be this prime candidate. He had a great game. Every time he plays New England, pretty much, he crushes it. Who are we talking about? Mm, is that Robbie Anderson? Nope. No? They are not in the same division. Mm. But they did make it to the playoffs. They beat the Patriots. The Patriots? The Patriots from in the playoffs. the Titans? Are you talking the about Titans? Corey Davis? Corey Davis, baby. Corey Davis. Yeah. Corey Davis is a physical freak, but I think his time is about to call. I really do. Yeah. I think they're going to end up investing another high-end pick, probably a deep threat. It worked out well with A.J. Brown. It did. And A.J. Brown, he's more he's not a slot guy necessarily, but he's definitely an ex-wide receiver. He's, 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 he's one of those guys that... He can play anywhere. He can, yeah, he can play anywhere. He, his body type is just... It's so unique. Like, it is. Him and D.K. Metcalf, I mean, those guys coming out of Ole Miss, I was like, how can these guys work? Like, they're huge and they're fast. And like they're just like they're deceptive in so many ways. You're like a big guy can't run that fast. Yep. There's no way he can catch things like that when they're this way. But like Metcalf was a monster in Seattle, and then here you know his buddy <laughs> AJ Brown was killing it in Tennessee. So if you pair him up with somebody out of who this could draft, take the top off, yeah, oh you know God. where the safety has to cover, and then all of a sudden you leave AJ Brown one on one coverage with the cornerback, he's going to yeah. win 99 percent of the time. So I think that they could. Do a major, major investment, especially after walking away from uh, Taylor. Taiwan Taylor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> after walking away, they have to get some speed. Yeah. And they're not going to throw a whole ton, but the opportunity could be there. Yeah. Now, what does that mean for Corey Davis if they do invest something like a top, you know, third or fourth round pick? Yeah, I mean, it might be one of those scenarios where you, you have to be like, look, if you want to stay here, you're going to have to prove it. They might make him work. I, I would love to see him in the slot. Like, okay, you haven't really proved yourself as an outside receiver much. A.J. Brown's going to be our starter on the left side. Bring in a rookie that can just dominate that wide receiver two spot. Have Corey Davis in the slot. That'd be, oh, my God. Go three deep with that team. That'd be dope. Yeah, no, that'd be insane because the big-time slots are It's becoming more and more popular. You know, using yeah. your tight end like a Jordan Reed in yeah, the slot. Yeah, like certain positions, they don't get paid the same. You know, so like when you're looking at like boundary corners and then you're looking at slot corners, you know, you, slot corners don't make as much as boundary corners, but you're like, that position is still really important. So if you can have that slot receiver like a Corey Davis, his body type, his size, and his speed all compound in that area, it could be one of the best that we've seen. Well, we did see it this past year. So. We did see it this past year, and I was sitting there thinking about it because I've done my research for the DFS episodes, and he played 22.7% of his snaps in the slot this past year. So yeah. he was utilized, still wasn't really seeing the targets, but at the same time, if you could end up getting him one-on-one with the slot guy yeah. and not have a linebacker who might be a little bit taller or safety over the top watching for that, mm-hmm. like you actually feel threatened. Yeah, I mean, you, that, you have to put more deep threat. Out yeah, there. like yeah. a deep threat could actually crush him. It might actually take the pressure off. Of Plus, Corey Davis. they had the rushing leader. So on you their think team, it's a good so. thing? So you think it's a good thing if the Titans end up acquiring another wide receiver yeah. that's a deep threat for Corey Davis? I think so. I think it can enhance his game if you show him like, hey, 
We brought you in here to be this guy, and you have not been this guy. Demote him somewhat, put him in a different role, see if he can excel there, bring in a young guy to be that other wide receiver, and that wide receiver too, to take the top off, and then see what happens. I mean, you know, Corey Davis had great years at Western Michigan. It just really hasn't worked out that way. And obviously you're not going to, you know, not everyone can catch the ball at the same time. And plus when your running back was the rushing champ, you know, the, the ball's not yeah. going to get spread around that that much. But And very similar to that guy. There's another guy that could end up becoming a third option for the team instead of a second option for the team this year. Well, I guess if you include their running back, he would be mm-hmm. the third option to the fourth option. But they might need a guy that can take the top off the of defense or a possession receiver, one of the two. This team couldn't end up with a new quarterback. However, right now it's likely that they stick with their one from last year who was actually injured for the majority of the year. Which guy or which team am I talking about? I blanked it. I spaced it. The Panthers. (laughs) With Curtis Samuel. They already Uh, have DJ Moore who's going to be the primary X receiver who is improving every single year. Curtis Samuel could end up taking a step this next year. You know, he was a great prospect, but he wasn't phenomenal by any stretch of the imagination. And... He's shown some positive signs of being able to take that next step. However, is this a guy that really going to rely on, you know, to be that consistent option? And honestly, you got to take a step back. You got to take a step back and look at it. If you're Matt Rule, are you really willing to sit there and say, hey, we want Curtis Samuel to be our number two, and then them not have even a number three? Like, who's their number three on that offense? I don't even know. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. I can't even think of it right now. I mean, when it comes to wide receiver position. Probably Austin Hooper when they sign Austin. (laughs) I meant for wide receiver. I don't think, dude, I think that Ian Thomas is developing. I don't think that Austin Hooper is going to Carolina. I think that Ian Thomas is actually extremely close to the physical profile of Austin Hooper. I think they're very similar. I think that Ian Thomas just needs time to develop. I don't see them investing in that. He definitely has a chance to play this year now that Greg Olson's out. So Yeah. yeah. And in the games where Greg Olson was out this past year, he produced. He had a couple different touchdown games. Like, yeah, I'll take it. But... I think that they need to add somebody that either has a significant speed or significant size. Michael Pittman comes to mind. Oh, yeah. Uh, if they want to get a red zone target, because maybe they don't feel like Ian Thomas is a great red zone target. Maybe they feel like they need to add more bigger guys because they already have the speed and the quickness yeah. from Curtis Samuel. Or they could add a guy. I bring up, once again, K.J. Hill, yeah, who I could mean, end up being that outside He's threat. another guy. I would mock him to almost every team. I, I think that he has you know, a great skill set. I would love to see him. Go to the Redskins probably in like the third round if he if he was still alive by the third round. Yeah, it's not a bad. Pair him up with Terry McLaurin. I mean, scary Terry and, and Paul KJ Richardson's Hill. done. Yeah, so that works out. Yeah, we, Steve Sims just, would take a hit because Steve Sims is actually projected to be the second overall guy. Yeah, speaking he's of, solid. Yeah, but I mean, he's more of a gadget player, more of a slot guy. So I think that KJ Hill could actually really work there. But like you said, putting the really Ohio State guys back together. Yeah, with, but again, you know, like you said, Haskins. you really don't want to get like too nostalgic on a player. Or caught up just because, you know, sometimes you're going to have to move on. Players yeah. can't play forever. You know, eventually we're going to have to move on from Adam Thielen. You know, things like that. But <laughs> Is so, this the third time you brought up Adam Thielen without him being up, on the stretch I always bring up him. But, but like I said, I, I love also putting people together once they have like a history together. So if you can, like you have Dwayne Haskins and you have Scary Terry already. You bring in a K.J. Hill. You put all those guys together. That, I mean, that can only help chemistry on that team. Sims played really well last year. I think but there's two Sims on the team, right? Steven uh, and Cam? I believe Cam 
Was he might still be on their practice like, squad or yeah. something along those lines. But I mean, like Sims could. I mean, if he plays at sec, the wide receiver too, you know, you could throw maybe KJ Hill in the slot. Don't forget, we still have Kelvin Harmon, and you have Kelvin Harmon. So it's like it depends on how which direction progress. we want to go. Yeah, yeah, we got to see how that goes. But when it comes to back going to Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel actually think could actually benefit from having an outside receiver. Mm-hmm. I think that he still stays as the number four option in this passing offense if they do bring in a receiver, maybe even number five. Which I know people are like, wait, how is that a good thing? Yeah. But Matt Rule bringing his system in, it could end up benefiting this offense as a whole. It could be a great, solid, high-producing yeah, it offense. It really could. Especially if Cam Newton stays there. Yeah. And, I mean, it could help take a little bit of the work off of uh, McCaffrey's shoulders, too. I mean, he, he can handle it. Obviously, he showed us last year that he can handle all that offense going through him. But if he's he not my one hundred and one. <laughs> but I'm if he sit my bourbon, he is not my one hundred and one. <laughs> All right, but you know what? Bentley I'm saying. didn't like that. He did not like that. He's like, are you fucking crazy? How he's is the how are you not the one hundred and one? <laughs> no, I mean, Curtis Samuel out. works well with him. I think so. If they could yeah. use him in the slot and kind of help alleviate some of the workload off of McCaffrey just a little bit to save his body over the long season, I think it'd be good. For Should Curtis I make Samuel. people suffer and make them go insane by asking themselves? How does he not think they're the one on one? Like, or how does they? How does he not think that McCaffrey's the one on one? I think I'm gonna wait. I mean, I have previous episodes where I've talked about it briefly, right? But I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna well, let you, people you just. You know how you do. You like to poke <laughs> the bear. I have to poke the bear. I poke Bentley. I'm about poke to Bentley. poke Bentley. Shut up. All right. On to it. We got our next guy who, for some reason, he's a touchdown magnet. When he comes in the game, which he doesn't play a ton of snaps, but when he comes in the game, they know where to find him. They know where he's at. He knows where he's at. He knows where the holes are in the defense. He is just a magnet for the red zone opportunities. And that's Kendrick Bourne. Mm. Kendrick Bourne, who also has you know, a pretty decent drop percentage, can't really get separation, but yet he still finds these open holes in coverage, especially in the red zone. Kendrick Bourne is coming up on, what, his fourth year? Third year? Something on those lines? This, I think he'd be going into his fourth year. And they could feel like they need to invest in the second overall wide receivers if Emmanuel Sanders doesn't come back. Mm. Now, the saving grace could end up being, oh, we love Jalen Hurd. But if they end up investing into another you know, strong receiver, I'm talking about top three rounds, that's going to put Hurd potentially above Kendrick Bourne and going to bump Kendrick Bourne pretty much out of the picture in a non-passing offense. So in a dynasty league, like I have Kendrick Bourne mm. because I know certain times where Emmanuel Sanders wasn't feeling right or when Jalen Hurd got hurt in the beginning of the season, I was like, Kendrick Bourne can end up having some significant games depending on the secondary. Yep. Does he completely fall out of dynasty rankings at that point? Or do you think he could lock on with another team? I mean, this I mean, guy's, what, 6'2", 6'3"? Like, he has a solid profile. He's not terrible. But is he going to potentially get pushed out of the league because he's just a nobody, especially when it comes to dynasty? I think he could fall off. Or find a different team that is really searching for like a strong number three, kind of like know. the Carolina Panthers, like a Panthers team. So, like, <laughs> That'd say, actually be a really good. Yeah, like, so if they moved on from Samuel, maybe you throw in a Kendrick Bourne or maybe even a um, Emmanuel Sanders potentially. Like he he could just be maybe like that guy where he's veteran in the receiver room. You throw him on the edge or on the slot. Well, that he could, could be relevant too. again. So yeah, it's just one of those things where maybe he's still you know, hold he, for right now. Just kind of see what happens. Yeah, but there's different options. I mean, it's just. It's the mindset of the coach. So Rule coming in, this is his first year in the NFL, or at least with the Panthers. I think he he might have been the coach that was with like the Giants a long time ago or something yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would be really, really cool to see what they do with both of those teams because I feel like they could almost swap some players. Like 
Curtis Samuel with Debo Samuel. Like, yeah, that that'd actually be, that'd be really fit. cool. That would so be cool. I think that would be a really, really cool duo. Like you said, it's not going to be a very strong pass offense there. Obviously, they use the Shanahan, you know, Gary Kubiak type of mold where it's all zone run block, you know, zone block running and all that type of stuff. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that happening. Next guy we're going to talk about, and this is probably going to be the biggest loser out of everybody. Not a sponsor. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> the biggest loser. <laughs> yeah, no, we're not talking about lost weight here. We're talking about probably the biggest loser that anybody's going to see, and I think this is very, very predictable, but nobody's really talking about it. And that's going to be Traquan Smith. Ooh. Traquan Smith, who has not developed. He's had a couple good games here yeah, and there, but he has not developed games, into the number but, two. Right. And he's had plenty of opportunity. I mean, he's competing with Ted Ginn Jr. as the number two guy. Yeah, Ted Ginn's been playing since before we were born. Yeah, and not, <laughs> not... Sorry, a Ted. <laughs> he's a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> and not a... Pa- I mean, it's not a pass-heavy offense, but it's still, they pass a ton. With Drew Brees, a quarterback, why has Traquan yeah. Smith not, you know, came out and and shown out yeah, when he's I mean, had Michael the opportunity. Michael Thomas has swallowed up all the passes, man. I mean, I can really only remember Traquan Smith probably from like the, the Monday night game against you guys where Breeze broke one of the records, you know, for yep. the most touchdowns or whatever it was. So it's just like that's that's all he's been rele- really relegated to at this point. That's all he's ever really done just is be records? a guy that helps be that person <laughs> that caught the game, you know, that, that record-breaking pass or whatever. But it's just like have you, he hasn't really developed into that guy that's really created a strong duo with Thomas. And I think he could still do it. I think he, he still has, has all the chance. talent in the world. I, I own him in fantasy, or I own him in dynasty. Yeah, so I, I think own him in dynasty. I think that it'd be a good idea because I, like, I don't know how long Breeze is going to continue to play. That's that's one of those things where it's just like you know maybe if he had Teddy there, maybe he it could help his development. But I mean, you would think like Breeze would be the best quarterback to help a wide receiver's development. But if Michael Thomas is going to catch like seventy percent of the damn passes. But, but Michael <laughs> Thomas is getting triple teamed in a lot of cases. This is leading Traquan Smith one-on-one coverage. Every single snap that I've watched with Traquan Smith, he has not had help over the top from any safety. So what, what's his biggest issue? Issue, excuse me. He's just is not it, getting open. It's just not se- like separation. It, well, because when the ball comes his way, he catches it. He's a good hands catcher. Yeah, but Drew Brees also doesn't throw jump balls. Oh, uh, that's true. He actually reminds me a lot of Josh Jackson. A Ooh. lot of Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson, I feel like was a lot more athletic than Traquan Smith. But when it came to winning jump balls, you know, and, and being a little bit over-athletic, yeah. but without having any separation, you kind of just got to give him a shot, and he'll catch it 50% of the time yeah. when you throw up a shot. I feel like that's Traquan Smith. But that's not Drew Brees' ML. Well, this could, be, this could be definitely a good spot for them. I mean, I don't really know if I'd see them using their first-round pick on over receiver. But if they did, like what else La- do they need? LaVisca Chenault Jr. What else do they need? And how much fun would Chenault be in I New mean, Orleans? You think Justin Jefferson would be probably a little early in that spot, but you know, one of those like hometown guys going there after yep. the year he oh, just God, had in LSU. Nuts. You think him paired up with Michael Thomas and Drew Brees? Second round pick. Dope. LaVisca Chenault Jr. I I mean like they really don't need anyone on defense. Defense is pretty solid there. Maybe a linebacker, but that's probably too early. A little too rich at that point. I would take a premier wide receiver at the, that point, I guess. You'd yeah. Probably LaVisca Chenault, if he's still there, would probably be the best out of those What would those be a guys. better, like, hey, welcome home gift to Drew Brees than giving him LaVisca Chenault? Right. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> welcome home. Hey, thanks for coming back to us. Here's your here's next your present, premier player. Right? Yes. And then Br- Brady's like, what the fuck, man? And that's not going to help out <laughs> Traquan Smith at all. No, I mean, that's, that, gonna, that's, that's one of those, like, push him out. we're replacing you. That's it. You know, you you're just going to be relegated down to 
wide receiver four until your contract runs out or something like that. So I have a ton of draft picks, right? I'm, I'm in a dilemma. Um, I, I sold out my entire team because I believe in Dynasty, I believe you rebuild and you rebuild quick. You don't go through a slow rebuild where you wait for players to develop. You draft a bunch of younger wide receivers knowing that you're about to win in your Dynasty League, but with older players. And then you know that you're going to end up having to sell out. Like I had Antonio Brown. I had Todd Gurley. I had Zach Ertz, right? Mm -hmm. Sold out all three of those players. Ended up flipping Austin Eckler. Got a first-round pick out of that. Before you know it, I have eight picks in this upcoming draft. Three in the first round, three in the second round, two in the third round. A lot of picks. 101, 104, (laughs) 110, 201, 203, 206, and then 301 and 303. So it's like all these early round picks. I just right. believe in flipping guys when you know you know you're about yeah. to lose. But you flip and you get these young, talented players that get put in the right situation. Mm-hmm. And guys like DeAndre Swift could be one. Guys like Jonathan Taylor could be one. But Leviska Chenault in that position. Oh yeah. Like taking him at like the one ten. Dude, that's sexy. Oh yeah. I love that. Yeah, he'd be dominant. I I think that'd probably be a. I like him going to like the Colts. I think that'd be another good spot. Like that'd probably be like the earliest I'd see him go. But oh my god, imagining him with Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara in his rookie year. Oh my god. But see, this is the dilemma. Do I drop Traquan Smith for one of these third round picks? Ooh. Because Traquan Smith, if they do end up drafting any kind of wide receiver, could end up getting pushed out. But yet mm-hmm. he's going into what his third year. Yeah, I think it's so his third season. Yeah. That's typically the breakout year for some of these guys that are late developers. Yeah. Well, that's one. Of the, I mean, like you said, they're obviously not going to force him out. Obviously, you're he's still in a rookie contract playing yeah. time. So if they bring in a rookie that you know jumps over him on the depth chart, takes his playing time down, obviously it hurts him. But I don't know. Like moving on from him just yet, just like you said, that third year is really critical in almost every single player's career. Like you're like, okay, they struggled a little bit that first year, or they had a really good first year. And then that like that sophomore slump happens, and then that third year is like this is your make or break year. That's the year where a lot of those, you know, young guys that have been buried on a depth chart, and they're like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna go here. I'm gonna fucking just dominate real quick and get my contract. Absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, when you when you take these younger receivers, you're gonna miss on a lot of them. Yeah. It, like late round receivers, happen. you're gonna miss. So I have guys like Sean Hamilton, who's also going in third year. I have guys like Traquan Smith going in third year, and I have Kiki Kuti. Also going into his third year, I believe. Maybe fourth. Third year. No. If they all end up drafting a wide receiver, because we brought up everybody outside of Denver, which I think Denver's going to draft Henry Ruggs or somebody along those lines. I think that's a lock. Yeah. Who do you end up dropping? If Denver gets Ruggs, because Hamilton's slot receiver, mm-hmm. LaVisca Chenault goes to the New Orleans Saints, and then you have KJ Hill that ends up going to the Texans. Ooh. Which one do you drop? If you have Kiki Kuti... Traquan Smith, Deshaun Hamilton. Probably Hamilton, I think. I think he'd be the probably the one that I would get rid of. I feel like he probably has the best trade value for you, too. You think over, well, I, yeah, probably over Traquan Smith, uh, Kiki Kuti, yeah. Because you worry about Kuti with injury history. Yeah. You think uh, Traquan Smith really hasn't shown much. Like I said, he only has memorable games because they're part of like record-breaking nights for Drew Brees. But I think Hamilton has probably the most... Trade value, but even sense. if you do have trade value, you're still talking about a late third round pick, if that. 
Right. And, and that's going to be in the 2021 draft, not but even depending, in the 2020. Like, when you're saying you want to get rid of somebody out of that caliber of receiver, what what's the best you can expect? Yeah, a late third round in 2021. Okay, so. So, we ended up having a little bit of a, some technical difficulties with that. So, we did have to go ahead and end the show. Unfortunately... Devin had his kids he had to take care of, and we weren't able to finish. But I'm pretty sure you guys got enough valuable information, at least pre-combine stuff, to be able to at least make some educated guesses if you do have some early questions on some of these rookies. Now, just a reminder, this was taken prior to the combine, so there will be some things that changed, such as, I don't know, LaVisca Chenault, although he did pull a hamstring. His 40 time was not what we expected, along with... I guess some misinformation on KJ Hill and his speed as well because his combine time was not not what we wanted to see. However, we do have some all-stars, some superstars coming up in this draft. We're super, super excited about it. And I'm actually about to right now start recording for the post-combine episode. So make sure you guys tune into the next one. Super excited to do this one. Anyways, if you guys want to join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash fantasy intervention we have a little community building there it's super exciting it's only two bucks a month so please please join us show, show us some support it's patreon.com slash fantasy intervention you can follow us on facebook at facebook.com slash fantasy intervention and of course you can listen to us on many many sources such as google play apple itunes stitcher and Castbox. anyways guys thanks for listening and thank you for letting me intervene with your fantasy football life Switch up a stove, pick up a stove, they feelin' away, they know I'm the That's how you bang a podcast.